there are times where you feel like, oh God, you want to die just to be put out your misery because the pain is so bad. We were encountering this for the first time when we uh, were working up Miss Antoinette's case. She doesn't want people to know or see her in that vulnerable state. The patients might be well this minute, but next minute they are in agonizing pain, which if not treated in a timely fashion, could escalate needing hospitalization. In the back of your mind, at least for me, every day when you wake up, you know, you're like, thank goodness I'm not in pain. How terrifying would it be to fight an unknown enemy, one you didn't recognize and didn't see coming? What if that enemy was coming from within, a disease that even doctors couldn't identify? Nearly half of all Americans suffer from some chronic illness and many struggle for an accurate diagnosis. These are their stories. I'm Lauren Bright Pacheco, and this is Symptomatic. Alcock would be the first person to tell you it takes a bit of time to get her to put her guard down and open up to people. That is, unless you're talking about soca music or West Indian food. Some of the jerk sauces can be extremely saucy. So sometimes it depends on the brand, like the ones that come directly from the Caribbean, like let's say Jamaica or whatever the case may be. They're used to spice. I need a recipe for jerk chicken because I've tried to make it four times and the first time I made it, it's way too spicy. (laughs) I'll get your email and I'll, you know, thing it play by play, like how do you season it? You know, you do it the night before. Lighting up at the opportunity to share her jerk chicken recipe, Antoinette can often take a moment to open up when you first meet her, as her best friend Anisha Daly explains. She's very much like a consistent person. She's loyal. She definitely has your back. Like she'll eventually warm up to you when she meet you a couple other times. But um, don't take your personal. Anisha and Antoinette have known each other for over 25 years, becoming friends back in elementary school. When they were young, Antoinette faced many moments with her peers that would reshape how she saw the world and how she felt the world saw her. Moments that made Antoinette feel embarrassed about having sickle cell disease. Sickle cell affects more than 100,000 people in the U.S. alone and lowers one's life expectancy from 78 to 54 years. It's a disease that Antoinette has been battling her entire life. I don't tell people right off because when I was in elementary school, about eight, nine years old, I had got sick and I missed a lot of school. So when I came back, you know, they was like, oh, okay, why were you out? So me being a kid and thinking these are my friends, I was just like, you know, I have this thing called sickle cell. The next day when we came to school, I noticed that the friends that I used to hang out with, they was very distant. So apparently one of the girls went home and told her mom, like, oh, you know, mom, I have this girl in my class, one of my friends, her name is Antoinette, and she has sickle cell. 
to my understanding, the mother was very uninformed because she's like, oh, well, we can't be your friend anymore because you have sickle cell and we don't want to catch it. I can't imagine how traumatic that must have been for you in elementary school to be honest about your what you're dealing with in terms of a health challenge and having kids treat you as if you're contagious. Right. So from that, I hesitate a lot, a lot to tell people that I have sickle cell. And um, I even have boyfriends that we dated, and to this day, they don't know. Sickle cell caused Antoinette considerable pain and torment. The complications of organ damage from this disease, and on top of everything else, feeling excluded and embarrassed were all she knew. But it would take a long time for Antoinette to understand and vocalize that there might be more to her experience than simply sickle cell. Taking a step back, what is sickle cell and how does it manifest itself in people? Sickle cell disease is an inherited red blood disorder, which is characterized by chronic anemia, unpredictable episodes of pain, and damage to the internal organs that begin in early childhood. And it leads to altered functioning, poor quality of life for patients, and early mortality. This is in a nutshell about sickle cell disease. That's Dr. John Matu, Antoinette's doctor and the director of the Adult Sickle Cell Program at Kings County Hospital in Brooklyn. He's been seeing Antoinette for almost a decade now and fully understands her illness. Their relationship would become integral to Antoinette learning to manage her symptoms. There's times where you could have pain in one place, but it's times where as you linger and as it goes on, it's moving from your back to now your arms and your legs, you know, and then full-on crisis. So crisis basically is debilitating pain for a patient with sickle cell disease. It is quite unpredictable. The patients might be well this minute, but next minute they are in agonizing pain, which if not treated in a timely fashion, could escalate needing hospitalization. Sickle cell is detected by a blood test that is part of a routine newborn screening. Being faced with the complications of sickle cell from birth, Antoinette was not expected to live long. In fact, her initial doctors painted a very grim picture for Antoinette and her parents. The doctor turned to my mom and was like, oh, well, enjoy her now while you can, because the life expectancy, if she lives to see five years old, say thank God. So then when I turned five, they're like, okay, well, if she lives to see 10, say thank God. Then it was like, oh, maybe when she's 18. Every year we're telling this lady that a child is going to die at this age. I can't even imagine how difficult that must have been for your mom to navigate. I I mean, thankfully, your mom had a medical profession background. As a nurse practitioner, Antoinette's mom was very aware of the hardships and complications associated with sickle cell, but unaware she carried the sickle cell trait until Antoinette was born, her mother couldn't have imagined the particular complications her own daughter would face. As a child growing up, Antoinette was often in and out of the hospital battling her sickle cell crises, and many times had to bear that burden alone. My mother was a single mom, so 
even with me being the hospital, you know, there's some people where they can take time off of work. She couldn't do that. When you're younger, like, I don't have nobody to advocate for me because my mom is not here at the time. These people have to make decisions for me. So even when you're young, you're telling them you're in pain before they even bring it to you in pediatrics. Like, they question, are you sure you're in pain? Those were the first glimpses Antoinette had of the struggle to receive proper care, a trend that would continue. But the exception to that in Antoinette's case is Dr. Matu. When he started seeing Antoinette in 2013, he noticed there was something different about her case. So Antoinette actually was initially thought to have a variant of sickle cell disease called SC, where somebody inherits the S or the sickle gene from one parent and a C gene, which is another type of hemoglobin, from another parent. That's not a normal type of hemoglobin. In Antoinette's case, she was suffering from complications of sickle cell disease, which were not as expected for somebody with SC. So we noticed that uniqueness in her disease, and we thought that we should look further. Dr. Matu's approach to care considered the person behind the disease, and that is exactly why Antoinette has always appreciated going to him for care and was able to open up to him and alleviate some of the shame she had been carrying. But something still wasn't quite right. The crises and visits to the hospital were too recurrent for it to be just the diagnosed sickle cell. Very frequent hospitalizations. She needed stronger pain medications to control her pain, which was quite out of the ordinary for somebody with the type which we initially thought she was having, which is the SC type, which I mentioned earlier. That type is supposed to be slightly less severe. So thinking that she has SC, we were treating her and then we saw that her presentation and the manifestations of her disease were more severe in terms of the frequency and the severity of the pain crisis there are times where you feel like, oh God, you want to die just to be put out your misery because the pain is so bad. On top of the social exclusion and judgment, she has to constantly deal with sickle cell crises, which have caused her to spend a lot of time in the hospital, missing everyday events, and even making it hard for her to hold down a job at times. Many patients with sickle cell disease have problems affecting their day-to-day life. Um, they are unable to keep their job or they are unable to um, finish their education because sickle cell disease causes pain crisis. They end up in hospital and they lose valuable time off work or school. And this really impacts not only their life, but also the f- life of the families which they support, their children, their parents, if they are supporting them. So really, sickle cell disease, we would consider it as a social problem. Therefore, Our relationship with patients, including Antoinette, is not just in a formal level, in a doctor-patient relationship level, but also more personal, actually, talking to them a little bit about how they're facing life's challenges, how they're actually able to cope with the disease. Dr. Matu has always taken Antoinette's symptoms seriously, having taken the time and effort to truly listen to and understand her. That wasn't always the case, though, through her sickle cell journey, during which she came across many doctors who were immediately skeptical of or didn't believe her pain. 
that's another stigma that they have, and I'm sure other sickle cell patients will tell you. When you go in, and I hear this a lot, the doctors come or the nurses come, and the first thing, you know, they will look on the chart or look at the meds that I'm about to get, and they'll be like, oh, you have sickle cell? Yes, I have sickle cell. Oh, well, you don't look like you have sickle cell. Like, you don't look like a sickler, and I've got that a lot. I'm like, what does a sickler look like? I don't understand. Like, we don't walk around it stamped on our forehead. You understand what I'm saying? Like, don't stereotype us. When you're telling me, oh, well, you don't look like a sickler, what are you trying to imply? I don't have sickle cell, so therefore I don't need the medication that I'm getting. Does that make sense? It's not the disease that you can see. So how does someone look? Like, because she looks put together? Like, that's crazy. They have this thing, this term called frequent flyer, meaning you're in the emergency room every other day. So I overheard a doctor talking and they were like, oh, well, she's not a frequent flyer inquiring about me. We're going to give her this medication because when you're in pain, more than likely, it helps us better when we get a shot or an IV. And to me, when they give you like pills or like for somebody that's in their mind, it's always there. So he's like, you know, we'll give this one pills because they are frequent flyers. Oh, that's so unfair too. Very. If you're in pain, you're in pain. And I'm just like, that's also like a, a really good thing that I'm not there with her when that happens because I, I, would, I would flip. I would lose my shit. Add one more thing into the pile of social judgment and the pain from the actual symptoms, having to advocate and push to get the proper treatment you need. This mistreatment of sickle cell patients in the medical industry is sadly pretty commonplace, so much so that Dr. Matu brought it up unprompted. There are so many insidious aspects of the disease, and first and foremost is the social aspects which I mentioned. Another thing is about misconceptions about sickle cell disease. Even among health professionals, there are lots of misconceptions about sickle cell disease. Our patients with sickle cell disease have an increase in their healthcare usage. They often present to the emergency room or they have to come to their doctor actually for treatment of their pain crisis. Patients are often in the emergency department and are often admitted as inpatients in the hospital. And many times their pain symptoms are not taken seriously and they are not treated adequately by healthcare professionals. It seemed Antoinette was never enough, not appearing sick enough to be treated for her sickle cell, yet not well enough to avoid judgments based on misconceptions about her conditions. And if no one was there to take her symptoms seriously, then how could she expect anything to change? Her symptoms continued to worsen in their intensity and frequency, one crises so severe that it ended up causing a miscarriage. That's another thing, too, that I guess that made me strong because it was one day I was coming from work and it felt like a crisis was coming on, like my shoulders and stuff was hurting. But in my mind, I'm just trying to get home. Then my stomach started really hurting. Like, my stomach hurts. My stomach hurts. This shouldn't be happening because I'm pregnant. And I'm standing at the corner of the street to cross the street, and I'm just standing there, bent over. Nobody stopped. Nothing, nothing, nothing. When I got home and... You know, I pulled down my clothes. That's when everything just blew. I never took the time to really process that. 
I went to work the next day. I didn't go to the emergency room, anything. But when I went to my GYN, I told him what happened. And he was just like, uh, it's to be expected with your sickle cell. And by him saying that, I was just like, I'm not even going to make a big deal out of this because with the way he responded, like, oh, do the sickle cell, just try again. You know, having sickle cell, and when you talk to, like, doctors and stuff like that, they make it seem like the things that we go through, we should be used to it because we have sickle cell and it comes with the territory. Antoinette, I... I I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Thank you. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm so sorry that you've been taught that you're just lucky to be alive. We'll be right back with Symptomatic, a medical mystery podcast. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Now back to Symptomatic, a medical mystery podcast. It's hard to process brushing off a miscarriage as something to just deal with as an expected consequence of sickle cell. But luckily, Dr. Motu wasn't brushing off any of her experiences. With each scare, he seemed to be getting a better idea of what was really at work. Then Antoinette had a very scary crisis, which ended up providing the final clue for Dr. Motu to give a proper diagnosis. One day I woke up and I couldn't see. Everything was a blur. Like I couldn't see anything. It was like a blur, 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 blur. And I'm the type of person, as I told you before, I try to rough it out. And it was like the third day and I still was not see. Like I couldn't go outside because I couldn't see. So one of my associates, she's like, you need to go to the hospital. This is not safe. So I went to the doctor. I, when they looked in my eye, they're like, oh, you have a lot of blood in your eyes, a lot of blood leaking. When they looked at it, they're like, it's not, uh-uh, something more is wrong. It was late in the evening. She called me saying that she had suddenly lost vision. I asked her to rush to the emergency room to get diagnosed. And we discovered that the eye doctors had seen her, in fact, and they had diagnosed that she had damage to the inside of her eyes, the retina. And that's something which we don't see So the issues with her eyesight became a red flag and an aha moment for you. Yes. And in fact, she also had a lot of pain crisis, which was also not fitting in very well with what we thought she initially had. The frequency and severity of Antoinette's crises always seemed out of place to Dr. Matu. But now the effects on her eyesight were the final indicator that this wasn't sickle cell like he'd seen it before. So we noticed that uniqueness in her disease and we thought that we should look further. So 
we have a specialized test called high performance liquid chromatography in short as hplc which is used to detect those abnormal types of hemoglobin or variants we call them which are not normally captured on the usual test so the type of sickle cell i have is called sickle cell o arab initially thought to be prevalent in the arab countries which actually would have made it prevalent only in that area that's so interesting because you know this being your area of expertise you mentioned that this is rare was this the first case that you had encountered exactly this is a very first patient i had encountered it was like you know oh my god when i was in medical school i read about you like in the books but because of the the part of the world that we're in and never have i ever met or even thought i was going to working here have a patient with that kind so this is a variant which is quite severe it produces a variety of um, complications it affects many different organs in the body and in particular damage to the inside of the eyes which is called retina retinal damage is quite common with this problem. Antoinette finally had a doctor who got to the root of her issue. She now had a name and a potential way forward with treatment for her sickle cell variant. Through all of the procedures though, they could only restore partial vision to her left eye. If I keep both of my eyes open, I could see perfectly fine, but with this eye, I can't see nothing. It's just like a big blur. So they're like, you know, the cells are too far gone due to the sickle cell, so this is as good as it gets. So it affects my organs like very rapidly. So rapidly that even a proper diagnosis for her variant and a doctor fully digesting her symptoms, Antoinette faced the most life-threatening crisis yet. And sadly, the situation was made worse because a separate doctor, not Dr. Matu, threw her back into that one-size sickle cell bucket once again. I was probably about 27 or 28. I was in the hospital for 7 days. So with me I told them before y'all do anything. I don't mind taking any tests. I don't mind doing anything. But what you're going to do is you're going to tell me your care plan so I can say hold up. This doesn't work for me or I did this before and this doesn't work. Can you please change it? He had an issue with that. So he made a statement This is how I treat all sickle cell patients and I'm not changing it. Y'all all getting the same thing no matter what. I don't care. That was his exact words. That same night I went to the bathroom and when I got up to come out the bathroom, I couldn't breathe. So, lucky thing the nurse's station where my room was the nurse's station is right across there and she saw me holding on to the wall like i guess she saw it before i could even get it out and i had coded coding means a patient has gone into life-threatening cardiac arrest or is not breathing as in antoinette's case and the code team rushes to their side to begin resuscitative procedures and when i coded they called the team to come and they did the x-rays and to revive me or whatever fine when he changed me over to hematology the next morning i end up coding again 
and they're like your oxygen level is very low and if that could be due to the pain or whatever the case may be and I end up having acute chest where one of my lungs was retaining water it collapsed so after that they rushed me straight to ICU I mean it's very it's very hard to see her like that because like I said she's very solid and she comes across as a very strong woman but because of that personality trait and how people view her I think that's another reason why she doesn't want people to know or see her in that vulnerable state. The first time I saw her like that, I was like, it was very, like, I don't even know how to explain the feeling. I was just like, wow. I was in ICU for two weeks. But I said that to say all of that could have been prevented if he would have just listened for what works for me and not be like, oh, this is how I treat all of you guys. Well, Antoinette is now being taken care of closely by a doctor who does listen and now has an individualized treatment regimen that is working for her. Her crises are happening less frequently and are less severe than they once were. All of this is a testament to the fighter that she is and has been throughout her entire roller coaster with sickle cell since the day she was born, since the day doctors told her parents she would be lucky to live to see the age five. Antoinette, like I said, she's amazing. She's strong and resilient. And she's been fighting with this her entire life. I, I know that she's told me that her, like, when she was younger, doctors told her mom that she wouldn't live. And we're 34 now, so it's a blessing. So I'm sure with her strength, we'll be living together for a very long time. She has had remarkable improvement in her condition. Her pain is um, much better than what it used to be before. She has had very few severe pain crises. She has had very few, if at all, hospital admissions in recent years. And we do not see any further organ damage in her case. It's stressful because as a sickler, in the back of your mind, at least for me, every day when you wake up, you're like, thank goodness I'm not in pain. But you always had that in the back of your mind. Through a turbulent childhood, dealing with crises sometimes alone in a hospital, having to advocate for her own proper treatment, to being excluded and feeling embarrassed by her debilitating disease, to struggling to understand the severity of her symptoms, Antoinette went on a heartbreaking journey to get her diagnosis. But she has a very optimistic view on where treatments for sickle cell are headed and has already seen a lot of progress in the general knowledge about the disease during her lifetime, in particular from Dr. Matu and his staff. I'm happy to see that now people are speaking about it more and we're getting more support and people are asking questions and how you guys are doing this podcast. And they have commercials. Back then, you never saw that. They even have children that have sickle cell. And that's what gave me the hope. Because before, no, I didn't have hope for no cure because it wasn't being spoken about. It was just sweeped under, under the rug. But now that it's getting more spotlight, that's what gives me the hope, like maybe one day, because we came far. But 
both Antoinette and Anisha will probably agree that Antoinette has gained much strength and appreciation for life through all her trials and tribulations. But the one thing they won't agree on is who has the best jerk chicken recipe. All right, be honest. Who has the better jerk chicken recipe then? Me. I'm Jamaican. (laughs) It's Jamaican. (laughs) It's a Jamaican recipe. So, yeah. I'm Antoinette Monica Elcock. And the type of sickle cell I have is called sickle cell O-Arab. To find out more information on sickle cell disease, visit the Sickle Cell Disease Association of America at sicklecelldisease.org. Additionally, Kings County Hospital does not endorse any pharmaceutical companies or medications. Please consult your doctor for any direct health concerns. On the next episode of Symptomatic, Cam is rapidly losing her motor skills being attacked by an unknown and unseen disease. In a matter of months, she goes from starring on her high school soccer team to struggling to make it up the stairs. I think there's something wrong. Something is going on. And there was still that hesitance of like, oh, Cam, you're just not trying hard enough. So you're placing all the blame on yourself. Cam bounces between multiple doctors, rushing to find an answer to what is taking away her mobility before she loses control of everything. Symptomatic, a medical mystery podcast, is an original podcast from iHeartRadio. Our show's hosted by me, Lauren Bright Pacheco. Executive producers are Matt Romano and myself. Our EP of post-production is James Foster. Our producers are Ciara Kaiser and John Irwin. 